Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. How are you? How's it going, love? Not too bad at all. How are you? Is life rosy in the garden at the moment for you? Always and forever, sure. You know, I'm still singing away, still getting up on stage, still breeding, so I'm doing good. So, can you talk to me about the most recent offering then, the latest single in March? Can you tell us about that song and what it's all about, please? So this one, You, is about a shock, shock, horror, not about my ex that broke my heart, but a newfound love. Um, and I wrote it because I wanted to go into the studio and be like, not so woe is me all the time. And yeah. I went out with my friends. I thought that maybe I was unlovable for a while after the breakup. And I found somebody who ignited that spark in me and kind of like gave me my confidence back in myself. And I just decided, why not write a song about it? Yeah. Make it a bit dancey. It was like, it was a night out with the girls. There was loads of Prosecco. There was loads of dancing. So I wanted the song to sound exactly like the night. And yeah. I think that's what it does. <laughs> um, one of your idols is Sia. Is that right? Is that how you pronounce it, oh, Sia? Yes. Yeah. She's amazing. Like, all her songwriting, like, even me to this day, there's songs that, like, some other artists sing that Sia has written. And I just find that right. is... Pretty cool, and then her voice, I mean, it's pure gold. It's so raw, I right. love it. Your own star continues to rise. I mean, your songs have popped up everywhere, from Love Island to Grey's Anatomy. Uh, obvious question is, where did this uh, break come from in the first place? Uh, coming from Bandon, where were you discovered? And when were you discovered? It was kind of like, it was kind of a weird one. It was online, so I was, I started writing songs, basically, my nan felt ill and she was always like worried about me going into the music industry. She's like, oh God, you'll never make any money. How are you going to survive? I mean, as they say, she wasn't wrong in that. But you know what? We still keep going. And I wrote a song to kind of show her I wasn't just, you know, singing Mary Black and Country Roads. I was actually writing songs myself. Yeah. So I wrote a song called Emerald, which is the first song. And I put it online just thinking, you know what? I might as well see what people think of it. And at that time, I'd... No manager, I had no team, I had no nothing. I just whacked it up. And I ended up getting a lot of emails from quite high up record labels over in London about coming in for meetings. And I said I'd go in, sure, and I'd fake it till I make it and see what happens and see what they thought. And right. I kind of just started from there and yeah. I just kept going. And it just took off then? It just literally took off for you? Yeah, well, I did take like a year out after that because my nan, unfortunately, did get very ill and I wanted to come home and, and look after her. Um, and that was time that I would never get back, whereas I kind of thought to myself, you know what, I'll always have my voice. I'll always be able to sing songs. So yeah. this right now, my nan is my priority in my life. So I took some time out and and then I went back to it and I feel like, you know, I was better than ever. I had went through a really dramatic life experience and I... I just knew where I wanted to be in life after that. And yeah. I just stuck, put my head down and, you know, yeah. saved a lot of money to self-release my EP Wild. And yeah. I really wanted to get it out there by myself so that I couldn't get changed too much as an artist. So yeah. that's kind of what i done. You say you went through a dramatic phase in your life. What happened to you, Lyra? Well, it, just going home, looking after my nan when she was ill and when she was passing away. And then, right. you know, unfortunately she, she did pass. And, you know, it's, it was the first it, yeah. time that I had lost somebody who was like a so massive part of my life. Yeah, I So got it you. was, you know, 
it was it was changing. It was I've definitely changed as a person for sure. Right, you pride yourself on being a role model for young girls, or is it fair to say? Could I put that question a different way? Would you pride yourself on being a role model for young girls? You're very honest, and even listening to you this morning, you're extremely honest with me. So, is yeah. that is that something that honesty is is for you definitely the best policy? Well, you know, I try to, you know, let people in as much as I can, and you know, let people into kind of. I don't know. I, when I grew up, right, I looked at um, pop stars or whatever you want to call them, singer stars, TV stars, and I always thought of them as being this perfect, polished, like, amazing people who, like, were untouchable and, yeah. you know, they always had this aura of stardom about them and that's the way I kind of looked at them. And I suppose now myself, you know, trying to aspire to get get into that category I kind of I wanted to break that boundary and let people know that you know I'm just an ordinary girl with yeah. ordinary insecurities and an ordinary body shape and then yeah. a, a lot of ordinary things about me and that you know that that that's okay You've been very open about body image, haven't you? Um, you've had your ups and downs with this. Uh, and Was there a kind of a light bulb moment for you that made you realise it's not important and that it helped you overcome that issue? You know, what really helped me overcome um, the whole body image thing, to be quite honest with you, is um, my fans. And, you know, being able to open up about it on stage and... Being able to tell, you know, I, I've written songs about being told to look or sound a certain way. And I obviously wrote songs about, I mean, being a songwriter, you bloody write songs about everything. My friends would be running for cover if anything happens with us. Yeah. Um, so being able to open up on stage and, and tell people about it. And, you know, then realizing that it's not that, it's not that scary to just tell people that it's okay to have the stretch marks, the bingo wings, the cellulite on my legs and my arse and, and where not ever else. But I, I think it was just saying it openly yeah. kind of made me realise yeah. to accept it and accept myself. And yeah. I, I don't know, I just want other people to start accepting it because I, for a long time, didn't. And I was hiding it and I was trying to do all sorts to get rid of it. And, and now I'm like, you know, I, yeah. I'm so much happier. You know... I, my dad and my mom used to always say to me, you know, as long as you're you, really, you don't ever have to apologise for it. And if people don't like you, then that's up to them. And if they do like you, then then great, fantastic. But yeah. I think one massive learning curve I had is everyone doesn't have to like you. That's okay. Yeah. Like, it's, we all have opinions and we're free to have whatever opinion we want in life. And, and that's grand. And as long as... You know, I keep myself in a happy headspace and in a positive headspace. Then, you know what? I'm happy sharing whatever I can with the world. And yeah. and I hope to God it helps some people. I get a lot of messages from girls after my show has been like, yeah. you know, they had social anxiety coming out of COVID and it was their first time coming back to a gig and they felt very accepted and they didn't feel like, they didn't feel kind of like weird or they didn't feel like they stuck out. They just felt really accepted in the audience. And that's what I want, for God's sake. I want people to come and see me play and feel like they can celebrate themselves, their uniqueness, their weirdness, as I call it, the weird club. Like, I I love that. I love individuality. I love uniqueness. I will celebrate everyone and anyone. And that's what I want to get out there and that's what I want coming to one of my shows to be like. That comes across in your gigs. Interaction is a huge part of what you do, isn't it? 
I know, yeah, my mum's mortified and my dad would be like, I think I'm stopping coming shows because I don't know what you're going to say. And I'm standing there in the crowd being like, oh, what's she going to say next? And I'm like, you never know, Dad. You never bloody know. I don't even know what I'm going to say. What's the ultimate festival for you? Glastonbury or is that more old school at this stage? I, I would love to do Glastonbury because isn't it like... It's quite iconic to say, like, you played Gaffney. Even if they said, would you play in the toilets for free? I'd be like, yeah, fine, at least just put my name on the poster. I would love that. One was Isle of Wight. I managed to tick that off the bucket list a couple of years ago, which is great. Obviously, Electric Picnic has always been yeah. the one in Ireland. Um, I've played that a few times now, so the next goal for me is, is Glasto. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Alan Corcoran.